Hey, everybody, welcome to another episode of Money and Stuff. I'm your host, Sam Rodriguez, Certified Financial Planner. With me, as always, Connor Shepard. Man, I never know what to say. We really got to get that intro together. (laughs) Something that says something for us. I think, I think, like, if nothing else, we could just do a small, like, hey, I'm your host, Sam Rodriguez. With me, as always, is Connor Shepard. Thanks again for tuning in to Money and Stuff. We got a good subject for you today. Let's talk. Why don't you give me that advice before, man? <laughs> let's uh, let's just let's just tell everybody what we're talking about. Yeah, we're talking about five confusing things <laughs> that people find confusing about retirement. That's right. Five things that we know people find confusing when trying to something with their retirement. Yeah. All right. We'll have a good headline by the time we put this out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. The title, the episode's title will be better. Yeah. All right. So, so I'm going to, I'm just going to say what the five questions are and then we'll just go from there. Right. So, so number one, you know, people are trying to figure out what are my expenses going to be in retirement? Number two is how much should I save? Number three is what should I be investing in? Four is uh, when should I actually retire? And then five is how do I create an income when I actually am retired? So let's, uh, let's tackle number one, how to know what my expenses are. This is probably out of these five, the easiest one to answer. Mm-hmm. I know a lot of advisors will have you, um, you know, look at your bank statements, your credit card statements, whatever it is, and go through and categorize every one of your expenses to figure out where are you spending your money, which I'm not saying that that's a fruitless exercise, but for a lot of people, that exercise can seem so uh, daunting that you just don't ever do it yeah. for a number of reasons. It's it, it's it's going to be time consuming and most people don't like looking at their budget because it's painful <laughs> to see that you're probably spending more money than you should and even if you're not you it's a little bit being scared that that you're yeah. going to find something out right kind of like yeah. going to the doctor exactly right? nah, what you know what if i find out something's really wrong yeah maybe maybe you should find that out right well or like uh i mean i knew a guy in college who you know, he would start doing poorly in school and rather than talk to a teacher, go and try and figure out, okay, where did I mess up and what can I improve on? He just continued to not engage in it, skipping class, letting it go. My college roommate, he he was proud of himself for for how he was doing in school. He was like, man, I've been doing pretty good. I've been going to class, I've been keeping up with my stuff. I'm going to take a week off. So he took a week off and just never went back to class. (laughs) Oh no. Yeah. So this is pretty nice. I don't, I don't want to, I don't want to go back. College is pretty fun when you don't go to class. Yeah, that's right. I can attest anyway. to that. So anyway, rather than going through that, if, if you want to do that, that's perfectly fine. It'll serve you well. Um, but rather than going through all of your expenses, one of the easiest things you can do is start with whatever your take-home pay is right now, right? Not your actual pay, but your take-home pay because that's the money you're actually living on. So you start with your take-home pay. And then the other thing to look at now is uh, you want to break your expenses into three separate categories. You want to break your expenses into what are like your necessary or your needs, right? Food, shelter, those types of things. Like you're always going to have to to, uh, eat. You're always going to have to pay your utility bills. You figure out all of those things that you have to pay for no matter what. And then you, you decide, okay, what are my wants? What are the things that I spend money on that I don't necessarily have to spend money on, right? Mm -hmm. Because that tells you where your wiggle room is if you needed to cut any expenses. And then the third thing to look at 
And then the third thing, why can't I say that? And then the third thing to look at is your debt, right? And the reason you want to look at your debt is because your debt expenses, hopefully, are not going to be there the entire time you're retired. Mm -hmm. And if planned right, you will be debt free by the time you are in retirement. You would be surprised how little you can you, you can get by on in retirement if you get rid of your debt. If you go into retirement without a mortgage, without a car payment, without credit card, if you go into retirement without those debts, those are huge expenses for most people, especially yeah. a mortgage. So if you can knock those out, right, then you can look at what those other things are and you'd probably have a lot more room for your wants. But you want to categorize the, them into those three, three areas, your needs or, or necessities, your wants and your debts. <clears throat> and then you can look at it and say, okay, what if this is going to go away when I actually retire? Right? Yeah. So you'd be surprised how much you spend if you're going to the office every day, right? Tolls, gas, um, wear and tear on your car, clothes for work, you know, buying lunch every day, those types of things. You know, you can go in and you can say, this much of the gas I spend is because of this. These clothes that I have to buy are because of this. These lunches that I buy every day are because of this. Yeah. So you can look at it that way without necessarily having to go into detail to figure out, okay, this is what I need to live and, and enjoy my time in retirement. Yeah. Yeah. The, never mind. I lost it. <laughs> All right, man. Go ahead and ask it. And then we'll decide if, if we're going to put it in. No, I genuinely totally lost have nothing. It. I, I have right, it and it's gone. So let's just move on to number two then. Yep. So number two is how much should I save? Um, man, what do you think the answer to that is? Man, you know, I, it depends, right? That's right. That's right. If you've listened to us for any period of time at all, you know, a lot of answers come down to it depends, right? <laughs> so we'll just leave know, it at that much? and move on to number three. No. <laughs> let's move on to number three. Guess what the answer is there? It depends. <laughs> number four, it depends. Number five, it depends. <laughs> Thanks for listening. Yeah. So how much to save? I mean, largely depends on that number you figured out of what your expenses are going to be. Yeah. Now, the next thing you have to do to figure out how much you should save is figure out how much those expenses are going to be however many years away from your retirement you are now. Mm. So let's say you take inflation and, and just say inflation is going to be 3% on average from here until retirement. You know, you, you have to go in and do the calculation to say, how much does that mean that I'm going to going to need? Yeah. Right. And I, I will tell you, uh, I was doing some calculations in, in preparing for this. And depending on your age, that number can be extremely um, disheartening. Yeah. Right? Uh, because the, the amount of money you need, depending on, on the age. Right. So if you're 25 your income is going to at least triple just based on inflation, mm -hmm. not assuming that you're going to get raises or jobs or, 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 you know, increased pay just because of inflation. What you're spending right now is going to at least triple. If you are 40, you can still expect it to double by the time you're 65. Mm -hmm. So, so what you've got to do is again, figure out what your expenses are, figure out what that income is going to be in the future based on inflation. And then you got to do a calculation of how much does that mean you need to save? Because, you know, now that you know how much you're going to be spending in retirement, then you have to do a calculation of how much do I need to have saved as a in lump sum? To, yeah. In order to, in order to know what you need to save now. And this is where 
you know, having an advisor really comes in. An advisor walks you through all of this and does these calculations for you. If your advisor isn't doing that for you, if your advisor is just investing your money, you know, I've always thought it was weird to, um, that advisors will just, you know, manage people's money without knowing what people actually needed. Um, How do you decide, because how do you decide how to invest their money if you don't know that how you're investing money is actually going to get them to retirement? And one of the things as advisors that your advisor should be doing is helping you to determine how much you should be saving on a month to month basis in order to reach your retirement goal, right? So it's a difficult, I'm I'm sorry, I can't say, you know, save 5% or save 10% or save um, 15% of your income. It just depends on your situation. I can tell you this, um, as far as um, saving goes, if you have a 401k through your job and they offer a match, then you absolutely should do that first because it's free money that they're going to give you. I know there's people out there right now. There's, I see these ads saying, you know, 401ks are bad. That's ridiculous. You know, I don't know of another investment vehicle that as soon as you put the money in, it doubles because your employer matches it, Mm -hmm. right? It's fantastic. It's a fantastic way to build wealth because of the match, if nothing else. Yeah. The match will, you know, that match will mean more than saving in taxes or even what you invest in. Because it's, 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 it's free money. So like, no matter how much you're saving, take advantage of the, of the match in your 401k. Uh, Let's move to number three. What should I actually be investing in? Man, it depends. (laughs) (laughs) It depends. It depends on so many things. Um, You know what? Number one is I'm going to say something. I'm sorry, that over. So number one is I'm going to say something that I think a lot of people don't think about, um, but you've got to think about taxes, right? And don't just automatically go for what's going to be tax-free in retirement. What you want to do is you want to create tax diversification. Yeah. You know, we did an episode several months ago about tax diversification. Go back and listen to why it's important, but you want tax diversification so that way you can control your taxes or have more control of your taxes in retirement. You want some money that's going to be fully taxable, like your 401k, you want some money where you're going to be taxed on your gains and then some money that will be tax-free. And what that'll allow you to do when you're actually in retirement is to create a strategy to keep yourself in a low tax bracket. So, and, and a lot for a lot of people, that could mean a tax-free tax bracket, but it gives you the choice to adapt and move with changing tax laws. Yeah. Um, Having that maneuverability, I think is as important as knowing how much or knowing what to invest in, like having the ability to make those adjustments and keep yourself below that threshold. Putting yourself in that position of choice, like having the ability to change and move as necessary. So in terms of specific investments, you know, if you're not quite sure what to do, um, you know, especially if you're not in the 401k or something like that, you know, when you, when you start looking at the investment world, you realize that there are like thousands of options. It's the wild west. Tons of things you can do. I can tell you that you do not have to get fancy 
yeah, if you if nothing else, choose an S and P five hundred fund and just keep putting money into it. Though I will tell you, the older you get, the more risky that gets. So I would also tell you to seek the advice of a financial advisor that should tell you what you should be investing in. The other thing too is that there's options out there. There are mutual funds and ETFs out there that actually create a, a diversified portfolio for you that is conservative, moderate, or aggressive. You get to choose. You know what are you? And and those um, funds and ETFs are managed. Tell you a little secret, managed very much the same way, if not the exact same way as what most advisors are charging you for to manage. Yeah. Right. That's why, you know, what what we do, it kind of blows our mind a little bit that, you know, people are paying for that style of management. We think I know that we think it's important that you get something beyond that, that you get you get better management than that because you really can get that style of management for free, which is your, you know, diversified buy and hold. Yeah, you can get that so so inexpensively now without having an advisor. Mm-hmm. Um, some another thought I had as I was thinking about what to invest in. Oh, so the other thing I think where a advisor really comes into play is helping you determine what your parameters are. So one of the first things we do with clients when they're determining what their investment style should be is we figure out their boundaries. Right, yeah. most people start with your risk tolerance. And, you know, how aggressive or conservative are you? That is absolutely the wrong way to start. And I'm going to tell you why. Your risk tolerance doesn't tell you what you actually need to get to your goal. So what you've got to do is a calculation that tells you uh, where should I be, right? So what you need to determine are two things. Number one is the low end. What's the least amount of money you can make and still hit your goal? That tells you how conservative you can get because the more conservative you are, the less you can expect to make over time. The second parameter is how much money can you lose and still hit your goal. Mm -hmm. That tells you how aggressive you can get because yes, being more aggressive over time, it's possible you can make more money, but you could also lose a lot more. So once you know how much you could lose and you have your aggressive uh, parameter and you know how much you have to make, so you have your conservative parameter, then you can see if your risk tolerance is between those two goalposts. As long as your risk tolerance is between those two goalposts, yes, your risk tolerance is very relevant. But you have to know these two parameters before you decide um, how you want to invest your money. Um, number four, when should I retire? And whenever uh, <laughs> whenever you want, I guess. I when know. it's all lined up. Yeah, when all of these things are lined up. You know, uh, Yes, ideally, yes, you have a plan that says, if you're doing X, Y, and Z, and you're invested this way, here's when you can retire, yeah. right? Is that coming through? Can you hear that? Just a just a little for a split second. Not anymore. Jesus. Some right. people. Yeah. But I know a lot of people focus on the number. How much do I need to retire? What is the amount I need to retire? And And that, you know, going by a specific number is very, very... Uh, deceiving. It's just kind of a wrong way to do it because that number depends on when you retire. So that can be the number if you retire at 65. But if you say, man, I hit that number at 60. Well, that's not your number at 60 because we got to add five more years of you living on this money. Yeah. Right. So, so if you're going for a specific number, you're probably going about it the wrong way. Your age has to factor into that and, and, or your age of retirement has to factor into that. Um, so when you should retire, I would say. Yeah. Like if, if really, you could give like a broad, like, like as general a recommendation on when you retire, like, is it when you've accumulated enough 
savings, retirement funds that will allow you to live on that amount of money? Like, is there, would, I mean, do you think there's that's a general it, right? way of it? I mean, that's it. It's, I would say if you're close to retirement, you're probably wanting to have somewhere between 12 to 16, 17% of your expenses invested. But even that's a tough number to give you because, you know, social security factors into that. If you've got social security, you may not need as much. If you've got a pension, you may not need as much. If your debts are paid, you may not need as much. So it, it, it's hard to say, right? But I, I'd say for most people, I'd say somewhere between 12 to, to 16, 17%. To be safe, you could say 20 times. I said 12 to 16, 17%. What I meant to say is times, 12 to 16, 17 times. Um, sort of the industry standard is to say 20 times. I will tell you in my calculations for a lot of people, that's probably overkill. Um, but, it, it, you know, and that's that's a hard number to achieve, right? If you started saving late in life, that can feel extremely uh, overwhelming and, and maybe even impossible. And you don't want an impossible goal because an impossible goal you might never try to achieve. Yeah. Right. So, uh, so you want to do two things at one time to figure out how to bring your expenses down while you're bringing your, your savings up. And hopefully if you're bringing your expenses down, that extra money that you have is going into savings. So they'll auto, it'll automatically do that. Mm -hmm. But from a retirement standpoint, I'll tell you, it also depends on what your idea of retirement is. You know, more and more people that we talk to, yeah. um, they're actually in a job that's very fulfilling to them. Yeah. Right. And what they would be doing if they retired is not as fun or fulfilling to them as what they're doing for work. They find purpose in work. Yeah. If so, I would say really what you want to think about is, is this what I want to continue doing? Mm -hmm. Because if you don't dislike your job, then what are you retiring to? Like, what are you going to be doing? And I'll tell you, it's very dangerous to retire. If you're, it's very dangerous to retire. If you're going to be bored. Yeah. If you're going to be bored, there are all sorts of ways that you can ruin your retirement. Yeah. So not only do you have to be monetarily ready, you need to be psychologically and emotionally ready. You need to know how you're going to spend your time, where you're going to find fulfillment, who you're going to spend time with, what you're going to do to stay connected. And that's another thing that a lot of people don't realize is once you leave work, you're out of sight, out of mind to your work friends, right? Maybe for a little while, they invite you to things. But how many things at work where they decide to go out and do something are spur of the moment and yeah. they're just talking to the people immediately around them. So you've got to find a different social circle. So you really, I, I will say there's a lot more emotional and psychological preparation that needs to happen before you feel ready for retirement. The monetary piece, I mean, talk with an advisor and an advisor can tell you, hey, here's when you're going to be okay to retire. Um I would say don't plan on being one of those people who's going to work forever because most people who think that they're going to work beyond 65 don't get to for a lot of different reasons. Their own health, family members' health, um, their industry changes. Um, you're at the top of the pay scale. And if there's cuts, guess who's going to get cut, right? So I would try to be prepared for retirement, I'd say by 62 to 65. Yeah. Um, the last thing. So the last thing is how to create income. Talk to an advisor. <laughs> I, um, it can be simple. It can be complicated. I know a lot of people like to go into annuities because they give guaranteed income. I'm going to tell you the big danger with an annuity or anything that gives you guaranteed income. Inflation 
is going to catch up with you. Yep. So let's say that you get an annuity that's going to pay you 5000 or 6000 a month. That's fantastic now for you if that covers what you need. But what about five years from now, 10 years from now, 20 years from now? Yeah. Right. If you're retiring in your 60s with modern medicine, you're probably going to live into your 90s. And I know people say, well, average life expectancy is like mid 70s. What you have to realize about average life expectancy is that also takes into account people who died as infants, people who died when they were teenagers, people who died when they were in their 20s. When you hit 60, your chances of living into your late 80s gets really, really high, right? And if you're married, the chances of one of you living into your 90s is like 50%. Wow. So you've really got to be prepared for like a 30-year retirement, right? So that money needs to last. And if you think that the money that an annuity, or even if you go into some fixed product that you say, man, this thing pays me 5% right now. And that 5% I can live on. Okay, great. What if it's not 5% next year? Yeah. What about in 10 years, that 5% isn't going to be enough because everything that you're spending money on right now is going to cost more. And that's the real danger to your retirement. It's not the, it's not the market, right? Because the market goes up and down. Mm -hmm. If you have a good strategy, you can, you can work your way through that. The biggest danger to your retirement is the fact that everything you spend money on today is going to cost more in the future. And you have to have a strategy to prepare yourself for that. So what does that mean? How do you create income? Um, you know, we, I know the whole team doesn't agree with what we should call this, but I call it the FBS strategy, the field barn silo strategy, nice. because, because I uh, grew up when I, when I was a teenager, I worked on a ranch, right? And in this ranch, there was a field, there was a barn, there was a silo. And then the silo was protected grain, cattle feed, whatever that's made out of, right? We knew we could go to it. The barn held all the hay that if we didn't have enough cattle feed, the hay was protected in the barn. And then, the, and then we had to replace the hay. So we had a field where we grew grass. And I think of your investments in the same way. You know, the, the, what you need now compared to what you need five years from now compared to what you need 10 years from now, that money needs to be invested differently, mm -hmm. right? So in your silo, your silo is what is my... Um, Guaranteed income, social security, pension, anything like that. Then you figure out what that gap is. What is the gap between what my expenses are and what that guaranteed income is? So whatever that number, that dollar amount is in the barn, what you want is about five years worth of that gap. And what, why do you want that in the barn and what's in the barn? So the barn is safer investments, things that we're not worried about the huge ups and downs of the market. So why do we want five years? Because the field is what we invest for growth. The field is what's going to help you um, combat inflation. The field is where we're going to continue to grow to make sure that you don't run out of money. But the crops don't always come in. There are bad years in the market. And the worst thing you can do is if your money is down 10, 15, 20% is pull your money from there. Yeah. Because as a percentage, you're having to pull a lot more out. So that's why you want what's in the barn because that money stayed steady. And five years will allow enough time for the markets to come back, for your investments to come back in value, right? And you can refill the barn. But that way, you can always have money growing for you to help you combat inflation without worrying about the fact that you're pulling money from there. Don't worry about the money that's going up and down because we're pulling money from a safe place when things aren't going well. If you do that, you can always create income. You'll always be able to create income as long as you're not outspending what you've saved. Yeah. That's it. All your questions answered, and <laughs> these are tough, right? These are these are these are difficult. Um, well, you they're know, difficult articles. And, they're difficult, and 
you know, it's, it's easy to understand why these would be questions that people would stress so much about. And, and it also kind of makes sense why they would be confused because they sound, mo several of them sound like they they could be just a direct answer, right? How much, when should I retire? What should I invest in? It's like, Hey, most things I can go A to B, you know, here's the answer, yeah. but yeah. And that's sense. what most, most of us want. Most of us want an easy answer, right? Most of us want, Hey, it should be, yeah, it should be, uh, the solution to this is this. Yeah. Right. And that's how, man, unfortunately in this industry, that's how a lot of products get sold to people yeah. is here's a solution. You want to do this? Here's this product. And that drives me crazy because that advi advisor, right, is selling the same product to everybody. Somehow it fits everybody's situation and nothing is like that. Everybody needs to go through the process of figuring out what all of these five things are for them specifically. And if you do it that way, you'll find that the answers to these questions are slightly different for everybody, sometimes dramatically different. And, and I know everybody wants the quick fix, easy solution, rule of thumb. And there are some rules of thumb out there, but they're not necessarily right for everybody. If you want to be sure, you need to have a plan. You need to have something that works through all of these questions that says, this is exactly what you should be doing. And I'll tell you another thing. Think about what your life was like five years ago. How different is your life today? Not just expense wise, but how different is your life today than it was five years ago? What things do you do differently today? What, ho what different hobbies do you have? What different spending habits do you have? Your life is always going to change. So this, doing this, even after you figure this out, you're going to have to do it again and again and again and again, because it's not always going to be true to your situation anymore. Yeah. The amount of money you spend today, not just because of inflation, but because your life is going to change. It's probably going to be different five years from now, 10 years from now. What you have the ability to invest in is going to be different. Right. With technology, not only are all the things, the devices we use changing, financial instruments are changing as well. So there's other opportunities that come up that you can have. Yeah. Right? Um, there may be changes to social security. There could be changes to tax law. There could be changes to a lot of things. Yeah. There's so, so many unknowns that we, that is, no financial advisor can account for. Right. 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 And that's why I dislike when people say tax law can change. So let's get you in a tax-free retirement. It's like, well, what if tax law doesn't change? And then you've made people pay all of these taxes today and it actually hurt them for their future. Tax law will change probably, but that doesn't mean that it's going to change in the way that you have to have everything tax-free. Yeah. So create tax diversification so that way you can adapt and change, right? All of these things, all of these things need to be adaptable. So that's one of the other reasons why sometimes I get frustrated with annuities is because they're so rigid. Right. And, you know, there's new ones that have come out that are not as rigid, but it's still an annuity. Yeah. It's still going to be one of the most rigid things you can, you can purchase. And I'll tell you, I'm not against annuities. I mean, but it's, I mean, you're basically purchasing insurance, you, but when you purchase insurance, you're, you're definitely giving something up. Yeah. Right. And, and so you got to think about what you're giving up and flexibility is a huge piece of that. Uh, I think that's good, man. Right. Cover yeah. them enough. Did I miss anything? You think there's anything we should have, any, any thoughts you have or anything we should have covered? No, I think that was awesome. You know, like I said, I think uh, it it definitely makes sense to me why these would be such common questions and why people could get confused on it, like I said. So I think we did a good job of addressing it. I think more than anything, you know, it really just reinforces the importance of, or rather it reinforces the value in 
dealing with some short-term discomfort, taking the time to look at your expenses, look at your income, running these numbers, or sitting down with a planner who can help you figure that out. Dealing with that short-term discomfort will mm -hmm. ultimately lead to a prosperous long-term future. So yeah. Yeah. And advisor, <laughs> yeah. And so sometimes, you know, as advisors, the role, sometimes as advisors, the role we play is like a sounding board, right? Giving you all of the different options. Mm -hmm. And I'll tell you, there's always going to be the most effective and efficient way to get there, but that doesn't mean it's the best way for you. Mm -hmm. you know, I'll tell you, I made that mistake early on in my career is I would create these financial plans and present them to people. And if, if it wasn't quite at the level of comfortability where someone felt good moving forward, I was very rigid in telling people like, look, this is the absolute best thing you can do. You need to do this. This is how we're going to get from A to B. And I had to figure out that everybody was going to be different people's emotional, psychological states were going to be different. And sometimes what I needed to do is go with a plan that was still going to get them there, maybe not as efficiently, but less efficient and something they could emotionally and psychologically stick with yeah. was better than an efficient plan that they gave up. Yes. Well said. Right. Let's end on that. All right, guys. <laughs> Thanks for tuning in. Again, if you have any questions, as always, Connor, can you put your email in the comments? So that way, if people have questions, they can they can shoot you over a question. It'll, it'll be in the description and it'll also be in a comment. I'll leave it twice. Awesome. Awesome. All right. Send them whatever you want. Yeah. Personal questions, whatever. Within reason, you know, keep the images to a bare minimum, but send right, whatever man. you want. All right. <laughs> you could have said, don't send any images. Well, you, you leave it, you leave it open when you say to a bare minimum. Well, I don't know if a Dallas Cowboy cheerleader suddenly li listened to a financial info podcast. I, man, I was just don't send pictures, movies. people. <laughs> don't send pictures. Please don't send pictures. Financial questions only, please. <laughs> All right. Thanks for tuning in. We'll talk to you next time, guys.